delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We're going to talk V8 Utes. What a fantastic weekend they had in Perth. Dave Cedars to join us to talk about the reinventing of that category and where it's at right now. We'll also talk to Mark Walker, Richard Quayle about what was a massive weekend of motorsport here and right around the world. All that to come. Right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me off the top of the program, as he always does, Richard Crowell. Good day to you. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm excellent, mate. What a great weekend of racing. Big weekend of car racing. The couch groove was nicely warmed up. Uh, I did miss being in Perth. It's the first supercar round I've missed in years, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed the weekend on the couch, there's Formula One, there was some IndyCar, there was WEC, there was Carrera Cup Germany, the list goes on and on, Shebek. So you watched the bikes as well, didn't you? Oh, yeah, 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 watch them crash, as always. Uh, no, it was a good weekend, thoroughly enjoyed it. But there were some highlights from Perth, I've got to tell you. Well, there was, uh, first straight off the top of the bat, let's go straight into the, uh, the Utes, mate. They looked fantastic this weekend, great racing. They did. It's been a massive step forward for the Super Utes category. So we thought we'd get someone behind the scenes to sort of take us through the growth of uh, what is being referred to already as the Ute racing of old. And anyone who saw the V8 Utes back in the day, that is very, very high praise uh, from Cedars Racing. David Cedars is on the show. Hello, David. Welcome to you. Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for jumping on. Um, congratulations on the weekend, both from a, a category point of view and a competitor point of view because you're in the thick of the action but just touch on touch on how happy you must be to see super utes where it is now after a, a challenging gestation but man it, it came of age on the weekend yeah it did it, it was good to see like uh the the hype coming into it with us just us competitors was great because we knew there was there was more of us there was more quality competitors as well quality utes and it and it all just um yeah manifests in, into good old ute racing what we want to see so um as a category everyone's wrapped uh personally i'm a little bummed because i had one little whoopsie but i had a good time too fighting everyone and and having a good time coming back through the field like we used to so i had a field to actually come back through where last year and the year before if you did have something go wrong you're starting 10th. I started back in 19th. <laughs> so mm. it's a big step and it was great to see and and have that sort of step forward again. No, things like this don't just happen overnight, though. Uh, take us through the last, is it 12 months? Is it the last 24 months of preparation and rejigging the entire category to get to where you are now? It pretty much goes back to over 2020. Um, when the, the it was starting to happen already, then it got put back on ice, um, and then we obviously uh, had that very COVID interrupted year of 2020. But then in 2021, um, we came back finally, and actually it was a blessing in disguise. It gave a lot of time to get the cars right. We didn't rush it. Um, and then they came. It was this we the a age old thing of if you build it they'll come and that's what we've done and people are starting to come now what's been the process or what's been the hardest part of this process in 
developing the cars first and foremost to this point? Um, the hardest process is getting people to jump in them and to feel what we're feeling. Mm. We've had like um, 86 champions like Jimmy Verdon join this this year and he's jumped in it and goes, geez, how good is this car to drive? But then as at the flip side went, geez, they're hard to go fast in. Mm. Um, so it's not just a, a, an easy category to go quick in. They've got a lot of similarities to to supercars while still being a production-based um, vehicle. Um, they have a supercar brake package, essentially, uh, a pedal box, all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of familiarities for people that come back out of a supercar or looking to go to a supercar. So we've done a lot of things to make it easier to be a race car than more of a production car. And, and I mean, perception's nine-tenths of reality a lot of the time, especially in motorsport. So has it been as... Simple is not the right word, but it has it been the case of actually dragging people to, and getting them into these cars to go, yeah, look how good they are? Because it had, let's be honest, bad press around it in its initial incarnation when they had the diesels and things like that. So has it just been a process of of saying, hey, these things are great to drive, try them and you'll be sold? Is, is that the process? There's obviously more behind it than that. Yeah. Sim- simply, yes, it's that. It's We did have to change a fair bit from the diesel as well mm. in the way we were on a production-based, solely production-based tyre. That's one thing that's transformed the feel of the car. You're actually more connected with the road, and that's what makes it more like a race car. Uh, with Yokohama, we, we went through the process of choosing tyres. I was actually the, the person that actually got to do that testing and go through all the different tyres. We even went to the, the softest tyre that they have, which they use at World Time Attack, for instance, wow. to actually go through and, and work out what's going to be that medium balance. And it's actually one step um, back from the softest tyre they have, which is at World Time Attack that we went with, because the cars then come alive and they degrade as well. So at Perth was a, a good example. Like we start x lap time but we finish about a second to a second half slower and that's what we want to see because some people don't get it right and they drop way off as we've seen and some people get it really right and charge through the field late i i the real issue i had with the old diesel utes and this is i I love telling the story because it's just weird where you used to have your dummy grid at adelaide so you used to have the porsche tent just to your left and you used to have a set of old portaloos just to your right at the back of the dummy grid across from the road there. I remember going from the Porsche tent to the toilets. You guys were on the dummy grid, did what I had to do, came out. You guys had gone and I never heard it. I didn't even know yeah. you blokes had gone. Those diesels were 100%. so quiet. But now I know that the V8s are back and it's great. It is. It is. It's great. And and noise is what we all want to hear. Um, that's, that's part and parcel like like I like the theories of Formula E, but we don't hear it, right? So yeah. a lot of us are very scared of it and don't want to go to do it. Utes in the diesel form formula are pretty similar as well. They were they were tuned in a in a way to have no smoke, so which restricted how they got their power. Um, by having no smoke, it actually restricts their noise as well. So we actually heard the whistle of the brakes and and things yeah. like that more than we heard even the car go down the down the straight. So uh, diesels didn't really get off the off and running. They have like the potential to do it, but unfortunately they just didn't get anywhere near right the mark. There was a lot of reasons behind the scenes, but 
we all love our V8s here in Australia, and that's part and parcel why we went back to it. It's what we, as competitors, wanted first, but we got forced into that direction, and now we've changed and come out the other side, and I think it's going to show. Mm. And I think the fantastic thing also is the fact that you've got six manufacturers, I believe, involved. Yeah, that's right, and and the scope to grow it is is there um, for more. It's a very simple platform to get the the rear ends right, and so far they've they've all just sort of landed in the, a very similar space while feeling slightly different with lap time and and longevity of lap time and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they've done a real good job without actually having to reinvent the wheel to do it. Um, the diesel part of it with what they did with designing it, they did a real good job there, but by changing to the, the V8 engine, just finished it off. Uh, Cedars Racing, you guys, you know, everyone's talked about how busy the supercars teams have been in the off-season putting their things together, but you guys have been equally as busy, if not more so, and I think you've built more cars over the off-season getting ready for this year. It's been a busy old time for you. Yeah, it surely has. Um the potential was to build six cars before the start of the season. We only got to five. Um, so we will have a six car come online. Um, and we, we out of those six, we part built only two of them. They went to the Western Sydney guys. Mm. I think they got their part built cars early in January. And we hadn't even started on our four yet when it got to that stage. So essentially 2023 has been all about ourselves when it comes to that. And um, it was a, it was a big undertaking by our our two guys there just getting it done. And your BT50 that you ran on the weekend, that was a brand new car, yes? It was a spanking car, and unfortunately I was the first one to crash oh. one of the spanking cars. I so. was, was going to go there, David. That's where I was I know. going. Yeah. I know you were. <laughs> um, just talk us through the racing because it was proper like elbows out stuff. I mean, it was hugely entertaining. And, I mean, sometimes you're going to end up with – Little moments like that, aren't you? But but overall, the product was sensational. Hundred percent. Like me and Rye were, were fighting cats and dogs, like we've done our whole Ute careers, mm. and it, and usually someone comes off second best. Unfortunately, it was me this time, um, and that's what we've seen through through the weekend. Um, it's just they're just really good things to drive and race against. They've we've done some good things with building our own wheel this year for our, our category so that wheel while p- people might not like sometimes the aesthetics of things we've done that for specific reasons we've done our best to make it work it's actually there for a fan really because mm. we can actually clash wheels without breaking a wheel putting a tire down so the only wheel that was hurt all weekend was when benny walsh went into the wall yeah. and it was buckled that was it wow tire was still up no wheels cut no nothing like that no. so We've done things with sort of NASCAR-ish, if you want to say. We've built them to run into things. Yeah. It's a it's a good-looking wheel, too. Rate it. Yeah. Like it. Like it in chrome as well. It's good. Um, yeah. The the Ryle thing, you know, Ryle's been quick in pretty much everything he's raced. And so having guys like him, Aaron Borg, who smoked everybody on the weekend, gee, he's very, very impressive. Um, Marge, who's been quick in a lot of things. Uh, Jimmy Vernon, who's been at the front in Porsches. It, it's important to have those guys as well as yourself to be fair in the category isn't it because they're the benchmark they sort of show where the standards at guys that can be quick in anything you know when they come into utes and they're fast it sort of shows shows where the level's at at the pointy end of the field 100 percent um and that's what we were really hoping for when we got some new new blood into the category was um 
getting some people that filled those top spots to make a, a good top six to top eight of real hard who's going to win week in, week out sort of thing. There's always going to be your Riles, probably your Aaron Borgs and maybe myself and, and Marge be there constantly because we've done it for so long. But then you add your Jimmy Verdon who's going to take a round with very limited testing and he was just – he got to the back of us by then. So you know he's going to be there. He's in my car from last year, which won the most ra- races – last year so we know the cars are not a problem and jimmy was talking through us the whole weekend and a lot of people don't realize we give away a lot more as a team to all the others than people probably don't realize like i'm there going through coaching jimmy through what he should be doing with his tires and all that sort of stuff for a mitzi what worked for me last year because cedar's racing team while we're there for ourselves we're also there for the category because we're, we're so invested the calendar looks fantastic for the remainder of the year, and there's going to be some great racing. There's no doubting that. Field of 19, is that going to be consistent or possibly even more as we go through the year? Definitely will be more. As as already said, we're going to add another car, so that will get us to 20. And then we've got um, uh, 21 cars out there uh, when we get it. As Formosa is the other one that didn't go to Perth. I believe they were potentially racing the TA2. Or they were oh, planning yeah. to, yeah, whether it happened yeah. or not, not too sure. But they've actually, from what I understand, committed for the rest of the year. So hopefully we'll have that twenty-one. So that's what we're hoping for to get that twenty-something all year. Dave, did you at any point sort of sit back and look at the the entire package and the entertainment value that was there, and pre- compare yourself to, for want of a better term, the jumpy trucks? Uh, those those trucks gave everyone entertainment value. I mean, there wasn't a venue that those guys didn't go to that people just didn't sit up and love. I know you guys can't go over jumps and all that sort of stuff, but did you look at the entertainment that they were providing and thinking that is just what we have to do if we provide good, hard, fun racing, we're there? Yeah, well, essentially, that's what ute racing's always been about. When I joined it coming from... Uh, was back then the development series. Uh, I didn't really get it when I first went there, and I kept getting um, slammed by like Craig Denyer going, "Mate, you got to realise this is an entertainment category. This is not what we do." And it wasn't until after that year that I got it and I understood that we had to have a reverse grid race. We had to do that. They don't mind a bit of rough and tumble. I was like in Super Two, there were certain things that would happen. I'd go, "Why isn't that guy getting penalised for what happened to me?" They're sort of like. We want that to happen, yeah. and I've learned to embrace that. That's what we we do, and that's part and parcel. It's the same thing, but it's just done differently, and it's what you have always done really well, and that's what we're starting to get back to. And the biggest thing, answer to getting back to that is just numbers and quality of numbers. Mm-hmm. That must be uh, really hard. For, sorry, Richard, I was just going to say, yeah. it must be really hard for your driver standard officer, Steve White, to try and explain that to the stewards, that, hang on, don't penalise these guys for that because <laughs> that's we actually want to see that. Yeah, it is like, and probably good for thing for Stevie. He he did do some Ute racing as mm, well, so yeah. he even raced for us for a few rounds as well. So um, he he knows Ute racing. He knows a lot of the boys uh, in Ute racing as well, and so he was at at in the stewards' room, and he always talks about he's got to calm them down before they go and throw a penalty out and go, yeah, <laughs> let's just see how that's going. Yes, Ryle's blocking right now. I know you gave Brody a, a, a flag in two laps. We'll let Ryle go because that's what we want. It's making good racing. Yeah, For sure. L- last one from me, and it's a little techie, nerdy question, but you, you mentioned earlier that 
the cars do have still retained some of their individual strengths and weaknesses. So I'm assuming by the fact that you're in a Mazda, that's the best car, is it? Or what, what led you down that path? And then what are the little differences you notice? Bearing in mind, of course, the cars have now got a crate engine that everyone's got the same power. But what are the little little changes between the different models and how they produce their speed? Um, so the biggest changes is purely just the front end suspension more so than anything. They all have a common rear end. They all have a common width. Um, their nose to tail track is slightly different between them because we can't change that. Mm. Um, so it's pretty much comes to your, your length of vehicle and your front suspension uh, geometry. Um, when it comes to picking a vehicle, we had uh, Dave Casey desperate to do Isuzu's. We'll desperate to sell some cars and get some more cars in. We're, oh, you're going to do that, Dave. And this is purely how it came. Is mm. All right, we'll get new Isuzu's because you want new Isuzu. And Luke goes, well, let's get some Mazas because they're the same car. It makes it easier to um, to facilitate building four of the same thing, even though they've got a different front end or a different tub. So yeah. whether they were quick or not wasn't really in, in the question. We didn't actually know that until we got to Perth because Borgie did one full test day himself in his own car. Mm. I did two laps and um, Dave did about three test days because he got the first car built because it was his program essentially that got these up and running. Um, so we didn't get any real uh, testing miles to go quick in these cars until we got to Perth. So it was very unknown until we got there. Um, me and Borgie have done some laps in um, obviously other cars like the Toyotas for Borgie and the Colorado last year, which he won the title. He goes, for him, he went, it just reminded me just of, of a Toyota jumping in the car. So that was good. It had some familiarity for him. I'd done the testing pretty much in every car leading up to this, and I jumped in it and validated what he said. And we pretty much went, all right, let's throw in what our Toyota setup was, and we went from there, um, and a minor tweak here or there, and that's all we did all, all weekend, and we are lucky. Um, but we'll go to another track, for instance, like the other cars have shown in the past. It doesn't work. And mm. so we'll be that guy that's sort of at the back of the top three or, or worse trying to fight through and, and stay there. That's a good thing. You get those it brand storylines going as well and which car is going to be good where I'd, I like that. It, it's not a, a pure parody formula, which is awesome. No, well done, mate. It's it's a great story. Um, really enjoyed watching the growth of the category and, and there's been quite a few stories written since the weekend where a lot of the commenters as well and, and you know the, the facebook gallery can be brutal at times but there's so many people have gone wow this was the best weekend for the category ever it's really come to life so um well done to you and your team and everyone else broadly around the category i uh, hope you can avoid some damage next time out but um well done as well for a good weekend behind the steering wheel and uh, congrats on the opening round thank you guys thank you um and yeah well see you soon uh Unfortunately, three months' time, we have to wait for the next one. Yeah, so, right. But uh, I think plenty of us will test, then get things sorted. I'll get my wounds licked and car fixed, <laughs> and you'll see me back. I think I can say, Dave, on behalf of myself and Richard, we've finally found a U category now that has come up to the standard of those Korean Sangyongs over at Pukatoi. Oh, those things were mental. Oh, 40 <laughs> things over there. They were fantastic. <laughs> they had to be slower than the diesel, surely. They were. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they were, were fun to watch. They, they were six wide most corners, though, Dave. That was the problem. <laughs> good. good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. All right. Cheers, guys. Dave Cedar's joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next.
on the grid. Crazy, let's welcome on to the microphone Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. Well, boys, when you're right 33% of the time, you're wrong 66%, aren't you? <laughs> and SVG, he didn't quite get his uh, clean sweep of the weekend, did he? Only had the one win from the three races. And also, as a matter of fact, uh, it turns out he's only got a one-year contract, uh, mm. despite claims in the media from the team. From the team. That yeah. is a multi-year contract that lasts until the end of next year. I would like it to be made clear that I did predict that Brody would continue to lead the championship after... Didn't I? And uh, isn't he he just 100 points? Thank you. Wow. Uh, One is a multiple of one, though, isn't it? So it's multi in a way. What? That's deep. Yeah, I'm just just trying to find an excuse for it, but there is none. No, no, there's not. What Um, a weekend. No, yeah, great weekend. Great weekend of racing. And uh, to bring up some variables again and to have some different names up the front, it's good racing. Well, three three different race winners, so five for the season so far, which is good. That's a tick. Um, it's not quite 2013 spec when we rolled out Car of the Future, and I think we had eight different winners from the first eight races that year, but um, it's pretty good. New names at the front, yes, tick. Close qualifying, yes, tick. Um, the, the problem with Perth, and, and this is why, and we've been very consistent in this, uh, is that we still don't really get the proper form guide is because... The Perth racing is unpredictable on Saturday when people roll the dice and wonder what tyre deck's going to be like, which is why we got that brilliant race on Saturday because Shane had better rubber than Brody and, and carved his way through. The problem is then when everyone's learned that on Saturday, they all work it out for Sunday and everyone pretty much runs the same strategy. So you miss out on those massive differentials between... Um, a fast car, i.e. Shane, and a slower car on rubber, i.e. Brody. So the two Sunday races were okay races, but they weren't thrillers like the Saturday was because everyone basically did the same thing. And the cars just don't, there's not a massive spread in how they look after the same cars. Yeah, exactly right. So, so the Saturday race was brilliant. So I I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, we can go into depth if we like about the race format and things like that. And I tend to agree with what Garth Tander said on the show on Sunday in that we're a racing championship, not a practice and qualifying championship. And there was, I think, what, almost half more practice and qualifying than there was racing on the weekend. So um, You did also say the 90-minute practice is here to stay. Is that going to be a consistent Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I thought that was brilliant. That was great. So the two major championships, which in the past have been guilty about practicing us all to death, Formula One and supercars, by Friday, both of them, no more practice. Mm. That was great. Big tick. Everything had meaning from that point. That was, I thought that was brilliant. I 90 minute session here for it was good. So we can see that Friday's really a nothing day on the race weekend. It's just a, a set up, get the cars right and let's really go hard from Saturday onwards. Yeah, but I, I think they should, there still needs to be, I think there needs to be a carrot at the end of Friday. And we kind of got it in Perth where it turned into a bit of a qualifying sim. And the last five minutes of that practice session were like quali, where a different driver went quickest, a different driver went quickest. Everyone was doing a quali sim right at the end. So it was actually quite exciting. Um, Fridays are still reasonably meaningless from a spectator point of view, but you get 90 minutes of solid running. You get a bit of action excitement at the end. And I think you get a more meaningful form guide from a pace point of view at the end of that 90-minute session than you would a 30-minute practice or whatever it yep. might be. So 
Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I think if they don't continue with that format, they're, um, they're mad. The, the thing is, this season is that everyone's consistently inconsistent. Mm. You, you look at the guys who are doing well. You know, Brody, he's had a worse finish of sixth. Uh, Chaz is second in the points at the moment. He's had a, a 14th and 11th between Melbourne and Wanneroo. Not great. They were a bit, um, not quite at the sharp end of the queue this last weekend with the 11th, 4th, and 5th. You know, Van Giz has been consistent, but he had that disqualification and he finished 12th in that third and final race in the weekend. You go back fourth in the championship, Will Brown. He's had a 13th, a 23rd, and a 16th this year. So, you know, he's dropped a lot of points there. Brock Feeney's been consistent, but he had that disqualification. Um, and a 10th and a 13th to start his weekend there in Perth wasn't great. And then from there on back, it's just all over the shop. There's no form guide there between any of them. You know, Brock, Jack LeBrock had some form going into the weekend, but then he had an absolutely Barry Crocker with a 12th, 15th, 24th. Mm. And it just goes on from there. You know, they're just absolutely all over the shop. James Courtney finally got a third. He finished a race. He started races. That's what it takes to get on the podium. Exactly. Wasn't he? I think he was third on points overall for the weekend. If we still did the whole round thing, wasn't he? So that's, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth, third and ninth. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. It's um, you're right though. And, and you know, this, this is, you know, it's these races now. Why, if we get to Adelaide and Brody Kostick is in championship contention, it's not later in the season. These are the races that we're going to decide that because if you're, you know, Will Davison may find himself in contention for the championship, but starting your season with 11th, 19th, 16th, 11th, and 11th, uh, it's pretty hard to win a title starting and, a year like that. And still having a best result of sixth yeah. for a, a team that should be challenging for wins mm. with that we, you know, we've got on the pedestal of being good enough to challenge for wins. Yeah. Ugh. Got- we're, we're a third yeah. of the way into the season, lads. Like, mm. where's it gone? Like, mm. You need to start stacking results up now because a third or a quarter, a quarter, whatever, 12, 12. nine, nine races out of what 30. Oh, so well, yeah, oh no, 28 races. So, yeah, no, we're nine races in 28 races this year. Yeah, you're right. A third, so I was thinking of 9, 18, 27. Yeah, so we're almost exactly a third of the way into the championship. Yeah, bonkers. It's only 12 rounds this year, so yeah, but no, look, liked it. I, I thought Saturday was a great show. That that's and, and that backed up what we were talking about Melbourne. If if they can repeat that kind of racing we saw in Melbourne, it, it wasn't the same, but it was hard elbows out, great touring car racing. Um, that was brilliant. And and I liked the only disappointing thing for me, and we talked about this in the power rankings, was the was the protest that followed because pretty much everyone, including if you talk to them on TV, the Erebus guys were stoked after Saturday. Like that, that was a great show. It was an awesome mm. race. A really good product. Brody fought so bloody hard and almost won, but he probably was never going to because Shane had such a tire advantage. Um, and then they go and lob a protest in for something that's not really going to change anything because Bardo's not going to change the way he polices the the racing anyway. So that that was the only little black spot. But that was a terrific race. We get one of those at every round, something like that. This year will be a roaring success just from a, an entertainment point of view. So let's break that down because Brody got the bad sportsmanship flag, which has been talked about. And I think every race fan there watching that race was stoked because finally we had someone who was willing to not mm. let Van Gisbergen pass. And so, so, so think- can you explain that to me then, Mark, how do you get a bad sportsmanship flag for blocking when all you're actually doing is defending your lead? Surely you're allowed to do 
what yeah, you have to but do. There's rules of how many times you're allowed to move and yeah. the, the mechanisms of that. And I'm sure if you forensically broke down the racing as the official's job it is to do, they would have seen that he was, you know, excessively or, weaving on the track, which deserves a sportsmanship flag, which is what happened. And so there was I, an excellent story on the V8 Sleuth uh, website about with comments from Craig Baird about it going, Look, it, it's not a penalty flag. We're yeah. not penalising the guy. No, correct. We're just giving him a nudge going, hey, you're on the borderline of being out of control here. So just yeah. just be mindful of, I'm paraphrasing, be be mindful of what you're doing and how you're driving. We're not penalising you, but it, this is just a, a nudge going, hey, rein it back just a little bit. So then, great. That's fine. I have exactly. no problems with that at all. Then the next bit is the move that Erebus seemingly had a problem with after the event where Van Gisbergen stuck it down the inside there at the bowl. It was side to side contact. It didn't wheel him off the track. Like Anton's move the next day on Reynolds, which well, carted mm. Reynolds off the road, which is something that yeah. attracts a penalty for side by side contract because he's out of control, locked up and speed him off into the weeds. Whereas Shane's side to side contact was, he was down the inside, wasn't he? It yeah. wasn't no, it wasn't nose to tail contact. It wasn't a bump and run. Like he was down the inside. So obviously the officials bear those rules on this all the time. The thing I find incredible was Barry Ryan, and I'm dipping into my knots here a bit early in the piece, but that's okay. So I knew we were we weren't going to win because they are all Shane Van Gisbergen fans. Ryan told AVL mm. from Motorsport.com. What? Mm. I just wanted to make a point of it. Where are you going to draw the line? It costs $4,000 to do it, but at least we know where the line is. If it means we can get a race win doing what he did and that's accepted, well, it's worth the $4,000, isn't it? That's all I want to do. I want to see Shane in front of the stewards because I haven't seen him in front of the stewards for a long time. He does that kind of move all the time and everyone lets him get away with it. We know where the line is. Now, Brody gets asked a lot of questions in there. Uh, Brody asked a lot of questions in there, so he knows exactly where the line is now. It's good. What? Yeah, well, I don't think it does though, yeah. because and and again, there were more. Go back to to Bardo's comments. It was like, well, but the, the move was never a problem. Like, no. it, it got down the inside. Brody had a bad run across the top of the hill. Shane got down the inside. They made contact, yes, but it's good hard touring car racing. Mm. But the the penalties come when you unload someone and move them out of the way. Like Shane was already down the inside when they made contact. So it's not like he forced bumped him off the road from behind. Yeah. The, the, the methodology behind the, the protest doesn't bug me because ultimately the, the stewards made the right decision by throwing it out. But I just don't saying think that they're all Shane Van Gisbergen fans. Yeah, but that's that's rubbish. That but that's just Barry talking. That's just Barry, being Barry and just throwing. It's just good quote fodder for the journos, which is great. Like we need we need people like that. We need the Gunter Steiners to throw good quotes to get that. But ah, oh, look, he's just getting PR. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it just bugged me though. I don't I don't think it needed to happen. I, everyone was having a really good moment. Brody was any realist would look at that and go, Brody was never going to win the race. Um, ultimately Shane was going to find his way through. So, you know, it's nearly Reynolds in the end, wasn't and, it? And ultimately look who, look who won the weekend anyway. <laughs> so Brody Let's finished go. second, second and third. Let's go through a couple of the teams and I want your thoughts on whether they had wins or losses over the weekend. Uh, Wilkinshaw and Dreddy United. Uh, they had a win in that they salvaged a really bad Saturday with a decent Sunday for Chaz. 
and Nick, Nick Kirkhats, seemed to 17th, turned... 17th 19th 13th yeah. yeah no good still last hasn't got yeah. a top 10 yet what on earth Chickford mm. uh no was well, better yeah like yeah he was but but we're, we're back to them being a they're not a one car they were a one and a half car team on Sunday with Cam sort of eighth and sixth but um James was the only one that looked like he had front running pace at any given time wasn't he Randall Tommy to be fair Tom Randall had a decent weekend in pace and probably a bit unlucky when that gear selector thing broke because he was inside the top 10 so he could have walked away with a couple of top 10s so maybe I'm being too hard there but yeah look you look at the pure results and numbers and um they're not having a great season BJR well I had an awful weekend yeah <laughs> yeah look <laughs> One top 10 finish. <laughs> Seriously. And it was a 10th. And yeah. Andre with 21st and 22nd in the other two races. And he's their red hot star. That mm. wasn't good enough, was it? Mm-hmm. Matt Stone racing? Uh, moments of promise, I thought. Um, you know, Cam Hill qualified, was it 12th, I think? 12th, yeah. Um, JLB had good qualifying pace and got a 12th in race one. He got screwed on the pit stop yeah, there. He qualified correct. fourth and uh, yeah, got screwed good on the pit stop. Mm. So, so no, there they'd be past for me. It's sort of it's sort of filling, falling into past years where you've got a couple of teams that are fairly dominant, and in this case, it's Erebus and Red Bull, and it looks like everyone else is sort of really trailing behind. Well, it's in a bit past, like it was... from a team point of view, Shabex, It's a bit like Formula One. There's no, yeah. there's no, you know, Ford middle back really. There's there's the Ford and then. Everybody else, yeah, yeah. really. Hmm. Actually, I've got to say, Grove were competent on the weekend. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Davey getting shoved wide, and I mean, he was a bit soft on the overtakes before that, uh, which was a shame when he was running up the front. But once again, that was the two leading Ford guys cutting each other off into yeah. the weeds. Yeah, again, it, second race meeting in a row. Correct. It's pretty hard to complain about parity when your leading teams are shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. For sure. Overall, boys, score out of 10 for the weekend? Uh, based purely on Saturday's race, I'd give it a uh, seven and a half. Uh, Sunday was a bit quiet. Seven. But but, but the good... Oh, right. But the good story... They're good stories. Like, Will Brown was awesome. That yeah. was a brilliant drive. Yeah. And and we're still at the point where Brock Feeney hasn't won enough that we're all still wrapped that he's winning races. <laughs> like when he's won ninety five races, like Jamie will all be over it. But um, but that that was superb, and and I'm loving that that Feeney has really stood up this year, like we all wanted him to do. And you know, we all came in questioning was Adelaide a a one off an aberration at the end of the season. He's living up to it. No, it wasn't. He's won twice already this yeah. season and I feel like he's going to win plenty more. So no, very, very positive stuff from, from the fiend. And yeah, like great, just great stories. Erebus being competitive is an awesome story for our sport, but not just with one car. They're doing it with both cars and they, they did it in both races on Sunday. That's huge. Cause very few other teams have got that consistency. Like Mark was talking about before. And Brock's, Sneaky good. That's three wins and four race meetings for him. So, mm. you know, he had that rookie season. It's under his belt now. He's the real deal and mm. he's not taking crap from anyone. It's good to see. So you had about two hours to uh, turn your hot water on, boil your pasta, get some sauce done, have a bite to eat and settle down for Formula One. And I've got to say off the top, I, I love Abbott. 
Azerbaijan, I love the track. I think it looks spectacular. It looks great. But it is pretty poor racing. There's well, not Apart from the smashes, there's not much else happening. But, but that was an anomaly, though, because yeah. usually it's the best race of the year. Yeah. And so, the problem was they, they shortened up the DRS zone yeah. too much and there wasn't any overtaking. Yeah. Because yeah. you had cars sitting in the DRS there for laps and laps and laps and laps and laps and it didn't do anything. Yeah. Frustrating. Just... Yeah, that that's annoying. And all the drivers told the FIA on Friday that the DRS zone was too short in the drivers' briefing, and they did nothing about it. So um, heaven forbid you actually listen to the people that are engaged in it. So yeah, a little bit frustrating. Ultimately, though, the Ferrari's not quick enough uh, in a straight line to compete with the Red Bulls. I wonder going to Imola next if there'll be a better package there, and there's not going to be such a straight line speed advantage for the Red Bulls at that place. So maybe that's where we see a bit of turning of the tide and the Ferrari can can leap up the front and, and Charles Leclerc can get a win. Um, but he drove really well. Um, Alonso continues to punch above where he should be, in theory, you'd think with that car, but clearly it's a good car. So he, he was awesome to watch. And um, that great pass down the inside there into, what was it, turn six, I think, was a, was a great move. So that was good. And despite the fact he was the sickest human being on the planet, apparently young Oscar drove really well and was always within a few tenths, if not hundreds of, um, of Lando in qualifying pace, mm. which I think is the, the big tick in the box. When you go back and look at what Lando's done to, to previous teammates, that's the, the important measure there. Well, I nearly uh, picked up a few photography gigs there. I nearly <sighs> went up the pecking order a little bit there. Hmm. That's bad. Wasn't that was ideal, yeah, was, was it? Crazy. That was really silly. Um, I mean, clearly I was involved in the last time that happened at the Australian Grand Prix, but there the cars toddled out of pit lane altogether and we walked across to our spot and the cars next time they went across the finish line and into the pits and it was all good. And there wasn't cars still out on circuit waiting to do their pit stop. And, mm. you know, the losers out of this are going to be the photographers who've forever and a day have been allowed to wander across the pit lane a lap early so they can get their spot and get the photos of the team celebrating and all that sort of caper. Uh, not anymore, I wouldn't think. Yeah, you're right. The yeah, but that's punishing the photographers goes. for something they didn't do. It's not their fault. They got cleared to go into Park for Mate. So the FIA need to give themselves a click for the a clip for the way they manage that process because they're the ones that balls it up because ultimately they give the they give yep. the okay for that whole Park for Mate area to set up. The frustrating thing is it's it's happened before. Like, we we've had cars come in at the start of the final lap to make a pit stop. So I don't Alex know Elbon why they, yeah, in Melbourne got him a world championship point. And there's actually screen grabs of that with all the VIPs standing there in pit lane. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know why it's a surprise to the FIA that this happens. So because the pit lane's still hot until the checkered flag drops for every car. Yeah, Michael Schumacher came into pit lane under a hot track and either won, won the or race. didn't win a race <laughs> at Silverstone. So. It's, it yeah, it's it's the precedent goes back a long way. It's just a management thing. I do actually like the fact that you know we we run race meetings here and certainly non supercars ones on the smell of an oily rag. And there's not enough people to marshal things in Victory Lane, and one person's doing the interviewing and telling drivers where to stand and all of that. It is kind of nice to know that the biggest motorsporting organisation in the world can still get it wrong in a way because you know we're all human. But uh, even all the resources in the world, you can still balls up a podium and uh, and things like that. Tell you what, F1's giving uh, P1 
people a real experience of hot race tracks at the moment, isn't it? The last <laughs> yes, couple of events, they're really excited. They never get closer to the action than at a Grand Prix. <laughs> hey, is there a serious power play going on with F1 at the moment that could damage F1 or, or will it enhance it? Oh, I don't know, Shebex. It seems like the owners and uh, the FIA, from what I'm reading, are just on well, I don't totally think different... I don't think they're BFFs, but uh, then Formula One and the FIA have never been BFFs, have they really? Hmm. I don't think it'll change anything. It's too much money involved for both parties to uh, anything to change. IndyCar. Your beauty. Your beauty. Woo. Yeah. Good race. Good, good few hours sleep there between those two. I enjoyed it. Good race. What a good race. What, what was interesting for mine was the difference in how those races played out where the IndyCar race was an absolute flat-out sprint. As Scotty said after the race, it's the happy driver strategy. Three stops, rag the thing as hard as you can, the whole race. And save a little bit of push to pass. Yeah, correct. And and But he had to overtake people to win that race, and he had to pass Roman Grosjean to do it, and he did. Um, that was hey, a really cool race. That the biggest rivalry in IndyCar is Scott McLaughlin, yeah. And Roman Grosjean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have predicted that? Uh, turns out young Scott, decent at driving an IndyCar, is he? Not Again. bad. He's not mm-hmm. bad, is he? I mean, obviously he came out of the pits there at the end and oh, he tried so hard and, you know, Romain bombed it down the inside, got it done. But mm-hmm. uh, Scotty just had too much there in the long haul. And yeah, that was cool. It makes you wonder... I'd love to see a Grand Prix play out under that kind of scenario with a tyre that they can rag. Because yeah. for for all of IndyCar's struggles over the years, the, the Firestone tyre package has been brilliant. Like the, the soft and the hard, it's simple. There's two different sets of tyres. The, the delta between them is big enough that there's a noticeable difference when you're on the soft or the hard. And you can run a race where you can make three pit stops opposed to someone making two and you can win. It just, it, it's such a novel concept of having to drive a racing car flat out for the entire race to try and win a, win a race. Uh, I, yeah, their product's bloody good at the moment, IndyCar. Again, it's a good race on a track that shouldn't yeah. suit IndyCar racing. But it does. Every year they've gone to Barber and they've put on a really good show. And Willie Power too mm. came from twelfth to third, so uh, one three. He's just for going Penske. along, isn't he? He's not going too He's bad. And uh, Scotty's now fourth in the points, only eleven points off the championship lead, heading into the month of May with the uh, road circuit Indy race, followed by the big one. Can I go out on a limb? Here we go. Right now, as we record this, it's the second of May. Look at you riding your coattails of your previous great calls here on this podcast. When we get to the 29th of May, I reckon Scotty's going to win the 500. There you go. Whoa. Can you clip that, Shebex? I Just will. keep that. If keep it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's going to go in the bloopers or it's going to go into the I told you so file. I reckon Scotty wins the Indy 500 this year. Right. Mm. There you go. You heard it here first. This could yeah. be a new segment right here. I told you so. <laughs> Just outlandish yes. comments. There's 33 other drivers who could also win the Indy 500, but I'm gonna. I reckon. Uh, I reckon. I reckon it's his year. It's just all building. Mm. You're gonna make an outlandish prediction about NASCAR's mark? No. 
No. Will they ever go to Dover and it not rain? Oh, lordy. Well, at least we had an Aussie winner in the NASCAR. James Small, he might be the crew chief, but he's too tight call late in the race. He got his man, Martin Truex Jr., over the line, who managed to hold off Ross Chastain on his Don't Give a Stuff tour, which was to say <laughs> it's large. Anytime that you can beat him is a big day out. And uh, Chastain, for his party, actually uh, was a part of the big drama of the race when he punted backmarker Brendan Poole early in the race, which... He seemingly regrets and apologizes for because it took out Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson sort of ran interference towards the end and harmed Chastain's chances of winning the race. So that was a bit of a shame. Like you said, it was held lunchtime Monday. So that means that we got three and three quarter days out of the TV <laughs> on the weekend. How's the uh, couch group going there, Richard? Oh, yeah. She was, uh, it was actually almost uncomfortable by the end of it. It was too right. groovy. I had to move to the other end of the couch because there was too much groove. It's a good problem to have. I'm not going to lie. No problem to have. Great the problem to have. Gin supply. Anything else you want to cover off, guys, before we get into hots and knots? Uh, Harry Jones, top rookie in Carrera Cup Deutschland, which nice. was good in the opening round at Spa uh, alongside the World Endurance Championship, which was won by Toyota. Ferrari third, Porsche fourth, the last race before the Le Mans 24 hour. Um, massive crash from Renga van der Zander in the yellow Cadillac mm-hmm. at the top of Orouge at Radion there. And uh, lots of um, commentary since then about the use of tyre warmers in WEC and all the lack thereof uh, that it contributed to that. So that might be a story if we get a, a wet and cold LM24 in uh, June later on this year. But um, WEC is looking good. That's 75,000 people rock up to Spa for that race. So people are starting to um, really get into the WEC, mm. which is great. How hot's that new Porsche, the customer car that got wheeled out? Oh, the Jota. It's yeah. Jota Sport car. It's ah. pretty sexy. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Speaking of hot, hots and knots. Richard, kick us off with your hot. Oh, well, I, um, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know because I had, I had a few that I was sort of, picking out but um yeah no i i i need i need more time mark mark has a list he's much better organized at this than i am so uh i think we start with mark well we neglected to talk about it last week and it was a bit criminal of us and it is a really quite serious hot uh the pizza hut livery um uh, whether it's good or bad or indifferent it got people talking and i mean look when they do bring back the all you can eat buffet they're <laughs> gonna have to wheel out another yeah you know, it's just gonna be a glow in the dark car or so i don't know what I, they're gonna do when that happens it's gonna I, be big i loved neil crompton taking the piss out of brad jones for the reasoning behind it yeah it was pretty <laughs> it was weak great. but they got talked about in every single race <laughs> it, was, what was, it was yeah it was some corporate success something or other it was nothing 50 to do months with of it. continuous growth that's not an excuse for a livery you can just, but, just, good on just wheel out a livery, mate. Yeah, you don't need the excuse. <laughs> the worst uh, part talk- about it is the worst part about it is is that the car actually deserves more exposure on race day, but because of where it's at, it's not gonna get it. Okay. Yep. Well, that's why you put a livery like that on it got mentioned in every race when otherwise it wouldn't have. So yeah. awesome. Uh Toddy Hazelwood, P four there the start of the weekend. Oh, yeah. He had a good weekend, mm. didn't he? That yep. was well done. That's hot. Uh Jimmy Golding. Now, I don't know if you saw the radioactive bit where they 
clipped together all the radio bits from the Australian Grand Prix, but he wheeled out a bit of Kevin Bloody Wilson. And if you're a <laughs> Kevin Bloody Wilson fan, I reckon you go and find that clip and you will have a bit of a giggle. So hot to you, Jimmy Golding. Um, I'm going to give a hot to Oscar because he's not getting smashed by Norris. Mm-hmm. Is he? He's in the ballpark there, which is something that uh, the last driver that sat in that seat wasn't able to do. Um, and finally, uh, hot to the Trucks family because they swept at Dover. It's their home track. Uh, Ryan Trucks, Martin's little brother. And it's Ryan Trucks, not Ryan Trucks Jr. Because uh, that would mean that they've got two dads or something. And it's a bit weird. Well, they are from the South. <laughs> um, he's been a bit of a journeyman, but he, he locked in a partial series in the Xfinity series there and uh, finally came up with a win for Joe Gibbs Racing in the number 19. So the number 19 with Truex and it won both of the big races from the weekend. So that's huge. I mean, the the Truex family, I'm a fan. Um, Sherry um, Martin's partner, has battled cancer for a long time and it's been a big story there and it's shone a, a real light on that family and they're really good people and it's good when good things happen to good people. So hot to you, Trax family. Mm, My hot's nice. quite simple. The Azerbaijan National Anthem. Oh, Absolutely loved it. A, loved banger. it. Absolute a banger. banger. Uh, you're spot on, Richard. And well oh, performed, best. wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't well, it extremely good? well performed. The colour changes and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it, was no, it was really, really well done. This is the thing, though, Shebex, is that most of the former communistical countries, right, from behind yep. the the wall, have all got absolute banger anthems because yeah, they're, just, they're, happy. Anthems. they're happy. They do. Is this a do. playlist somewhere? No, it, well, it could be, but. They all did because the anthems there are all, you know, they're all patriotic and they're designed yeah. to stir the heart to the glory of Stalin or whatever it is. And so, but when they become out of that and they become semi-democratic, like you could argue Azerbaijan is, yeah. um, in fact, I don't think they even are, um, the anthem remains. Like, we don't like uh, Russia. We don't like Russia. Right. Let's just get this straight. But the Russian national anthem is really good. It's a banger. It is hunt oh. for Red October. You know, it's amazing. So yeah, that's the theory. So um, you know, that's an upside yeah. to having Works for Bronze Prix in the former Eastern Bloc for, that once were behind the Cold Wall, uh, because most of those countries do tend to have authoritarian countries do tend to have good national anthems. Well, but how fact. does that how does that mean that New Zealand's got a banging national anthem? Is God defend New Zealand? A, yeah. a, a, I don't think that falls into the classification. No, but when, when on Can Anzac I... Day when they play them back to back. Yeah, it, but I think that's more the fact that ours is rubbish, more than right. the fact that New Zealand's is great. Because I heard that national anthem in rehearsals Monday night and then rehearsals on Tuesday and then Tuesday during Anzac Day, for the next three days, that's the only tune that I had in my head. Mm. It took mm. the Azerbaijan national anthem to take the New Zealand yeah. national anthem out of my brain. That oh, was good. Uh, it's a good hot. I rate that. Uh, Super Utes. Genuine hot for the first time ever. Really well done. Good yep. show. Good racing. Um, Better than the singles? Oh, well, less stupid. Um, <laughs> anything with Royal Harrison in it is going to get entertainment one way or another. Uh, so that was a tick there. Um, the supercars commercial department, aren't they just operating at a super high level? So Shane Rudgers. Um, sorry? There's an announcement nearly every second day. Oh, there is. But so Rudzis and Craig Dontis and all the team there, 
they do an amazing job to the point where they've even got the driver's eye camera sponsored by jcar which is one of my favorite yeah. shops yeah jcar is this and they do not sponsor this show but there's some cool shit in there they could have so, um but it's such a smart like you can go and buy little micro cameras from jcar it is just the most genius sponsorship they are up there with the afl for commercializing the sport so that's well done um what i do want to give a broad hot to and this isn't just directed at supercars but it's directed to our broad spectrum of motorsport broadcasting here is the motorsport broadcasting in australia because i did uh flick over and watch some other stuff over the weekend and i'm not going to throw them under the bus but uh my goodness our tv coverage here and i'm massively biased because i'm involved in it on most of the networks um it's brilliant and the stuff that we watch from overseas isn't as much so um that's all i'll say well done hot us our tv coverage of their sport here is just very very good it's in so many sports isn't it race calling the best race callers in the world are generally australians you go to hong kong there's australian race callers in europe they're just the best in america it's just Yeah, just yeah. You watch we some do of the, it well. Some we of the stuff that I watched over the weekend was awful. <laughs> anyway, mm. Mark, uh, what are we up to? Knots. Mm. Well, Alex Bowman, he broke his back in a sprint car crash. He'll be out for four weeks ish, uh, and it follows after his Hendrick Motorsport teammate Chase Elliott missed six weeks earlier this year after he broke his leg in a snowboarding accident. So they're having an absolute shocking run where two of their four drivers have smashed their legs doing extracurricular stuff, broken bones, doing extracurricular stuff. So Mr. Hendrick there might be having a bit of a chat to them. And obviously Kyle Larson, he's their number one uh, talent there. And he loves his sprint cars and be interesting to see if they get told to pull the reins on that uh, in future. Uh, Not, goes to the kid who left scott mclaughlin hanging he was uh, <laughs> did you see that clip yeah. he's given the knuckles to all the kids and this one's just walked off so mm. scotty had to uh give himself a high five so uh to that kid you're a bad person <laughs> and my final nod <laughs> <laughs> we gave jimmy golding some grief for his haircut uh oh, on this podcast have i have i yonked one for you here do it so it'd be absolutely wrong of us not to mention Noah Gregson. Oh no, you haven't you haven't gone where well, I was going to go. Okay, the, the artwork for this uh, podcast is going to be Noah Gregson's bowl cut versus whatever you're coming up with. <laughs> <laughs> because if you hit Copy. Any, hit the internet with uh, the word Noah Gregson haircut, you will be shocked and appalled, and you'll burn your computer. So uh, it is absolutely no good. Bad. <laughs> Who are you going with, Richard? Well. Cam, Cam Waters. It's oh, yeah. bloody awful, his haircut. Just appalling. Oh, the worst ragtag mullet and shaved up the side. And yeah. oh, it's just terrible. Uh, and, and I wish we had the same level of tabloidy coverage of supercars that NASCAR gets with some of the, the other outlets. Because actually, it it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's. Oh, because Cam Waters should be slammed for that. It's just unacceptable. But that Gregson one is pretty bad. That's uh, have you looked it up now? I have. I have. That's it's not that's, good, is it? That's real bad. <laughs> that's real bad. I, uh, I, 
I, I did forget a hot. Can I just go back? Is that possible? No, do it at the yep. end, please. Just let me finish my uh, my little knot here. The only other knot is now I do not do and have never done drugs. It's not my thing. Uh, drink, absolutely. Drugs, no. And I hadn't been drinking when I I had a moment on the weekend where I thought I was a proper space cadet because we were running what I thought looked like out of turn one and up the hill at Wanneroo, except it was going entirely the wrong direction. We're looking at the back of Jack Perkins' car in the Super 2 race. And uh, for whatever reason, it was mirrored. And it did my head in. I had a small little existential crisis for a moment there (laughs) that my world had turned upside down. Wanneroo all of a sudden went counterclockwise instead of clockwise. that spaced me out and I hadn't drunk a thing by that point. I knocked over half a bottle of gin later on because of it, but uh, geez, that was, uh, that was trippy. So I have to give that a knot just for wigging out my brain, which doesn't take a lot, but uh, wow. Do we need a gin sponsor here? I think we do. We should, um, Valtteri Bottas and Tiffany Cromwell, Oath Gin. I've tasted it. It's good. Mm. I'd be happy for them. Oh, we're not after money either, by the way. No, no, we just. It'll cost them. Yeah, be a very lucrative deal, but it will be no money. And at this Um, point, we should say hello to our friends at Reckless Brewing in Bathurst as well. Of course, we should. We know they listen in each week. My not is any category that has the number two in it. It seems like if you want to spoil a category, just put a two in the category. In Super Two, F two, these guys are just crazy. That F two race was. A fantastic race, absolutely spoiled by lunacy. Well, Super Two was didn't go full really on the weekend. I mean, that it's first right. lap of uh, the first race wasn't great, and then they got screwed by a phantom safety car by a mm. car that was off the track and then kept driving off the track, and then that led into a restart which was dumb. Mm. But you know why, Mark? Because the laps were shorter. They didn't have time in a lap to go full Super Two. That's why. There's still ambition there, isn't there? To I don't know. Oh, there was a... ambition. Don't worry. Shebex, they did a pretty good job of going full Super 2 at Wanneroo last year. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not sure the lap distance has changed. And my uh, other, and the hot that I'd like to add is Bernie Collins. How okay. good is she at giving information in regards to strategy and stuff? That is a fantastic addition. Well, it's she literally... is a fantastic addition to that Sky coverage. It's literally her job. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. She's, that, she was, you don't get to call strategy for F1 teams without being red hot. You, no, but, but in the past, they've yeah. tried to have people call strategy for them who yeah. may not have exactly known what they were talking about. But And even um, Karun there, when Max stopped under the safety car, he called it straight away that Max was going to get screwed. Like yeah. he picked that like a dirty nose straight away. It was like, really? Do you think that? And bang, it happened. So, yeah, that was interesting. And that Scottish accent. Whoa. Oh, it's Irish. It's hey? Irish, Shebex. Is it Irish? Yeah. You don't you want sure to mix them up. sure she's not on the border? Mate. <laughs> Mate. Whatever it is. I don't know if you know the history. The Scottish Irish border? What? I don't know if you know the history there. Mate, there is no border. It's water. <laughs> the water. Oh, Lordy. I'm not and sure And all you our know friends history, listening to us through oh. the radio show Limited's RS1. Oh, I'm cutting this bit out for the international version. Thanks to folks for listening. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Gotcha. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.